Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm your host, Nelia Hutt, and I am so grateful that you have come back again for another episode. I have had some amazing guests on this show, and um, today, you know, here we've got another one. We've got Sterling Shroud on the show. Nice to meet you. How are you doing today? Good. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. You're the one who's coming on, so I appreciate the time. (laughs) So just to dive right in today, I'm excited to speak with Sterling. Um, So Sterling, he was homeless, addicted, and convicted over the past decade. He has transformed his life in less than one year during the global pandemic after finding a love for himself, his family, education, multifamily, real estate, and freedom. I love this so much. I'm I'm already like smiling. From a renter to a homeowner and landlord, handyman to business owner, and multi-member LLC partner. From struggling to now helping others by teaching the importance of relationships, financial literacy, education, vision, and taking care of your mind, body, and spirit so that you can do what it takes to thrive. And don't we all need to learn how to do this? So very well, warm welcome to you, Sterling. (laughs) Where are you tuning in from? So I'm in Dayton, Ohio. Awesome, I've never been it's it's okay <laughs> yeah well it's I like not a top travel spot so yeah I like where I live so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah um this is going to be powerful so can you just I don't know start from the beginning I know today we're going to be talking about the importance of self-worth having a why we're also going to be talking about um vision planning goal setting Um, the importance of short-term and long-term goals, and just getting the most out of our life, you know? So how did this all start? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, So, you know, I was born in Ohio, uh, lived here for a while. Uh, I think I was 10 years old, 10 to 11 years old, I moved out to Montana. And that's actually, I lived there until out of high school. But there was a lot of great stuff looking back that came from there because it's the middle of nowhere, um the mountains hunting fishing snowboarding all kinds of activities but there's a lot of things that you know i I, uh, wasn't exposed to or i didn't uh develop certain skills or different things that made the rest of the journey real interesting um so moved out there let's say 11 uh by 15 i had started selling drugs um you know i was partying in high school um got involved with a questionable crowd but 
started selling weed specifically. And then I got uh, busted for that. It didn't take very long. Got busted for that. Uh, it was a pound of weed and uh, miscellaneous other charges. But that got me probation until I was 21. Hmm. Um, I didn't excel at probation either. Um, but I managed to get off when I was, uh, when I turned 18. Hmm. So that they had a weird, <laughs> they had a uh, kind of backwards program. If I dropped out and got my GED, I could get off at 18. If I graduated, it would have been 21. Um, so I dropped out, got my GED, get off probation, and decided to move back to Ohio. Um, I still had family. This is actually where all my family lives. But when I came back at 18, you know, I hadn't changed anything in my routines, my habits, uh, you know, using drugs, anything like that. So I came back here. There were still kids I kind of knew and kind of loosely kept in touch with. And I moved back here and they're selling drugs. And I was like, oh, hey, I know that game, you know. So I started doing that with them. It didn't take long. Um, I guess I was naturally good at it or uh, at least entrepreneurial in some illegal way. And <laughs> I quickly became the one that sold them drugs. Um, and, you know, yet again, it didn't take super long. Uh, when I was 19, I got my uh, you know, door kicked in, raided by an allied combined task force. Uh, I was selling ecstasy. Uh, party drugs, marijuana, things like that. So 19, I got busted um, and indicted, fought the case for a little bit. And I ended up getting three years in prison at age 20, or I went you know, right when I turned 20. Um, and that was three years mandatory, no good days, anything like that. And I went to a medium minimum camp. And I hadn't had much like jail experience. Um, that was a really depressing time because you know initially because they wanted me to tell on somebody else mm -hmm. they were telling they were kind of <clears throat> blowing smoke to some extent like you know you're like I, legally technically i was facing 64 years if they maxed everything out uh, they indicted me on crazy um uh, engaging in pattern of corrupt activity um running a drug ring type charges and mm -hmm. so i guess it's crazy who you ask but I, I think they were inflated, and that's kind of how the system works. Uh, right. They get you to plead out. So ultimately, I did. I pled, uh, pled out to um, ag trafficking, aggravated trafficking, aggravated possession, and uh, possession of a dangerous ordinance. And um, yeah, so I spent those three years, uh, 20 to 23, locked up. Uh, that, I don't recommend that for a developing mind or a young adult. Um, that's a that's a completely different um, environment. I wouldn't call it like normal society, you know, social interactions. Uh, so that <clears throat> I also wasn't on a path of like growth in there. I wasn't in there like oh I've have, I have all this time to read. Mm. You know, it was, it was not, not like, like the that. movies. No, no. Uh, there's a lot more fighting and drinking and tattoos and um, just something to make you forget you're in there, kind of. Um, so yeah, we'll fast forward through that and get out <clears throat> four days after I turned 23. Um, and I didn't actually know what to expect. Obviously I'd never done it before. Uh, even though as a felon, as a juvenile that hadn't counted at my adult as an adult, um, well now at 23, it definitely counts as an adult. Um, and I didn't know how to exist as a felon, especially a felon when all your charges start with, you know, aggravated or dangerous, um, 
And even though there wasn't violence to those crimes, it was the amount of drugs. Okay. Uh, that you know, 99 out of 100 people don't put that connection together that it's you know the amount and not you know somebody yes. got hurt. So I get out of prison and you know I had I had sincere um, intentions to get a job, you know, sport, pay bills, try to get somewhere. Um, I quickly realized that uh, I wasn't a prime candidate to be hired uh, with that kind of record. And I didn't yet have skills to like earn money. So I remember like one specific time uh, I decided and nothing against anybody that works fast food. But for me, I thought that, you know, I had some, something else I should be doing, but I need a job. I have to have a job. I've got basically a parole officer. Um, I'm sad, moved in with my mother, had nothing. And I was like, I'm going to go get a job at fast food. And I went and I applied at a Chipotle burrito. And uh, they couldn't hire me because of my record. I was like, oh, well, I give up. I think I'm done. I'm done trying. So after that, I kind of, you know, started hanging out with the people I'd hung out with before. Um, But I didn't want to sell drugs anymore because the time that came with it was just uh, extreme. So uh, I just started using drugs. And this is like mid-heroin epidemic. Uh, And I know we mentioned Dayton, Ohio. Uh, For a really long time here in, you know, the U.S., coast to coast, uh, Dayton, Ohio, Montgomery County specifically was um, uh, setting the bar for opiate overdoses. Mm. Um, and so the full height of the, the opioid pandemic was was out, and this is 2013, 2014 now. Um, and yeah, I fell straight into that. Um, I had tried heroin prior to getting incarcerated um, while I was, you know, fighting the case, so to say, um, I remember that feeling it gave me, and that was something of of um, numbing mm. to, you know, the anxiety to like, because it's 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 really scary, honestly. Um, it's a very intimidating thing, and that was like the only drug that would make that stop. So, kind of went back to that, and there was, you know, there was a lot of fear or uh, shame or whatever after prison as well. And that's, I think, why I fell back into that drug. Um, so yeah, 23, 24, 25, uh, abuse drugs, go to a salvation, you know, homelessness, sleeping in abandoned houses, um, the ga- like running the gamut with it, uh, you know, petty thefts, stealing to feed my addiction, just everything that comes with, you know, uh, being strung out. Um, go to a Salvation Army rehab down in Florida, <clears throat> partially to escape some petty charge here, and then actually fully to escape some petty charge here. It was nothing to do with getting better. Um, but Thank while you I was for being there, honest. Yeah, and I, I, I try my best. <laughs> so sorry if I have to go back, but I realize, you know, that's of course my ego trying to like, oh, it makes it, it sounds better. Um, so I have to, you know, get over that and just tell the truth. Um, so yeah, I go down there. Um, there's examples of people down there. I'd never seen this, somebody from a situation like mine, um, not necessarily advantaged, um, fell in on probation, parole, but they had got their stuff together. Um, and so seeing that firsthand, it's like something clicks, like, oh, it actually technically can be done. Still couldn't figure it out, but knew it could be done. Enough, so. Hope there. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I managed to stay sober for, uh, I think I got two years down there um, and then relapsed. I ended up working for them and, um, <clears throat> you know, really getting involved with recovery down there. And then I relapsed and relapsed down there, somehow made it to Georgia, from Georgia up to Ohio, and relapsed here and trying to skip ahead. But um, <clears throat> the last time I used, um, it's August 9th, 2019. Um, I had gotten, my son was born in February of 2019. And I'd managed to stay sober for a while there, get off probation. I ended up back on probation up here. And it's, it's a definitely a cycle thing. Um, so I got off probation. My son was born. Um, stayed sober for a while. And, uh, actually got on Suboxone, like medically assisted treatment to stay sober. And I'd gotten off of that for a couple of weeks and started using. And now, you know, the vast majority of uh, street opiates are fentanyl. Mm. And so I knew it was dangerous and um, I had the genius idea to counter it with um, an upper and whatever, stupid thoughts. But um, yeah, so I used... Uh, for a couple of weeks in August or the you know, beginning of August, ended with a, a overdose and a Taco Bell drive-thru. And I dropped mm-hmm. the kids off at my mom's, went to go get them food, thought that was a convenient time. And um, it was just, it was some new stuff I got from some new person. It, it was like instantaneous. Um, I did a tiny, tiny, tiny bit to try to be careful. Um, and that meant nothing. It, it stopped my animation like immediately. Mm-hmm. I had my dog in the car. By the time somebody found me and then they got through the dog to get to me, uh, I, I didn't come back until we were at the hospital. And that was something like I, I have a vivid uh, memory of that experience and not like enough to scare you. Yeah. Enough to make me realize that um, that that would probably happen again if I kept going because everything else did. I would. If I could get to homelessness once, I could get there twice as fast the next time. If I could start stealing once, I'd get there three times as fast the next time. Um, once you set those new uh, levels of what's acceptable, it's real easy to go back to that. Uh, IVs, you know, I'd never use a needle, and I'd use a needle, and I'd only use a needle, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really didn't want to leave my kids um, or my family, but especially without have, have, uh, doing anything positive. Um, because that would like not destine them to a similar situation, but the odds wouldn't be in their favor. So, um, after that, uh, I decided since I'm, you know, actively going to be here, should probably figure out something to do with it. Um, just started trying after that, eventually heard a podcast, which led to audio books and a nonprofit and education. And then everything started to change. So. Yeah, that's the background. Well, first of all, thank you so much for for sharing your story with us. I know it's 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 not always easy, but you know, you've probably told it a few times now, and it probably gets easier in one way, but it still hurts, right? It still reminds you of some of the things, but it also shows you how far you've come, right? And yeah. uh, so, two years, over two years. Yeah, we're over two years now. That's great. Um, that's huge. Yeah. It, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say I don't, yeah, 
it's definitely huge. Um, I'll say I don't put as much emphasis on it as I yes. used to in early recovery. Okay. Um, I still, you know, deal with addiction recovery and um, things like that, but the the progress. Um, mm-hmm. I, I try not to look back as much as move forward. So. That's great. That's I didn't a- mean to shut that down. Sorry. No, no, I love that. So <laughs> Thank much. you. It, it's true, right? I mean, we can, you know, stay in the past or we can do something different. You know, I have a question about when you were talking in the beginning about the early stages and, and you were 18 and you were in that program. Um, and you come out and it's the same people doing the same things, you know, there's a lot of broken programs because I hear this a lot and they don't really help with the transitioning of coming out or putting you in a different situation so that when you go through the program and you come back out, um, do you find that that's true? I mean, you have more experience with that than I do. Do you think that maybe they could have prepared you better than coming out and being in the same environment? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, for sure. So I've been in, I've done most of the tr- like traditional recovery programs, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, smart recovery, AA, NA, um, <clears throat> multiple, multiple inpatients, most of this stuff court ordered. Um, I, yeah, I guess, you know, I skipped over a lot of things, but um, yeah, there's, there's a lot li- uh, missing out that I think needs to be addressed, like basic life skills. So mm-hmm. Um, well, I talk about finances a ton and it's not, you know, I don't, uh, feel the need to get like an An Andrew Carnegie, you know, level of success and, and financial means. Um, if you don't know how money works, if you don't know how to budget, if you don't know, um, like super, super, super basic accounting, um, how to plan for the future, um, care for yourself in the future financially, things like that. Like there's, there's a, there's some really big gaps. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that poverty doesn't set anybody else, anybody up for super great things. Um, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to stand on your own two feet when you can also stand on your own two feet financially, um, than understanding relationships. Um, the importance of relationships and that who you hang out with is generally um, what you're like, or, you know, you will be influenced by the people you surround yourself with. And that's, you know, we're social creatures. I don't think we can help it. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things I think that are missing from traditional programs. And I think that we, uh, this is something I kind of want to say. I think we focus on the drugs um, too much. And that was always my Not issue. the why? Yeah, not the, we focus on the problem a lot more than the solution in these programs. Mm. I'm uh, glad you said that, you know, because I think that will really open uh, people's eyes. And when you do say it, it's like, yeah, I agree with that, you know, but sometimes unless you hear it, you don't think it. Yeah, I think, I mean, you definitely have to address it. I'm not, you know, I don't mean to pretend there's no problems. Definitely drug addiction is real. Um, it's very real, but um, the solution is extremely important. Um but isn't there sort of, sorry to interrupt you, isn't there sort of three things that they should really work on? Like, how did you get here? You know, like, what is, like, the, yes, the drugs is the aftermath, but that's not what started. Like, sometimes, you know, there's reasons why people get addicted to things, whether it's sex addiction, alcohol, drugs, whatever it is. And I think you got to deal with where is this coming from and then deal with the drugs and then the solutions, right? Because if you only do, you know, if you only deal with the substance at hand, it's, 
you're going to end up in the same place. I think you're not really help. You're not really, I don't know how to say this. Like I, you have to heal the person. Yeah. Like there's more to it than just like, you could substitute the drugs for anything. You know, it could have been something else. It could have been, but the issue, you know, or some people will, will exchange it for something else because the problem is still there, right? It's still underlying. Yeah. I think the majority of people, and um, I give a shout out to him. Uh, There's a guy named Jesse Harless. Um, I met him through a a nonprofit and the work they do. And uh, he came in and said some stuff and I've had the privilege to talk to him, but you know, he was a former addict. And one of the things that he said is like, he's thankful that his addiction was a drug addiction because it brought him to a point that it had to be addressed really quickly. Um, You know, over a few years compared to, um, I think a lot of people have addictions that don't, they don't ever have to address if it's shopping, if it's TV, if it's, um, you know, like you said, like uh, sex or relationship or um, there's a lot of different avenues for addiction mm. and with drugs, you have to address it pretty quick or else it's, um, it can kill you. Yeah. It gets addressed one way or the other. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I appreciate that. So, okay. On this show, we like to talk about self-worth. So how do you feel about yourself now compared to before? And what do you think was the biggest factor to change that? So, <clears throat> Yeah, for me, self-worth was yeah, non-existent. Um, I honestly never saw any type of future for myself. And I think being able to see a future for yourself or how you feel about you know, where you're going or just yourself in general. Um, yeah, that wasn't a thing. Um, it definitely wasn't a good thing, at least. So for me, the self-worth started to come into play when other people started to uh, when I started to see my worth through how other people saw me. Mm. So when I, over, you know, when I specifically, when I overdosed, <clears throat> the guy I worked for, I never expected this reaction from, I think I've only really ever mentioned this like once, um, you know, I showed up the next day to work and, you know, the, obviously the previous day I hadn't gone um, and told him what happened. And he started to cry. It's like a yeah. grown ass, like military dude. Um, never. You're the best those bear guys they're the best yeah never seen this dude cry this dude's you know seen some stuff and i was like it messed me up because i'm like i didn't even have any realization that he cared about me Mm. um besides that you know showed up for work Uh, right and and just his reaction with that kind of i didn't know how to take it i wasn't used to compassion necessarily you know Mm. um and so you know that was like the initial moment that kind of made me wonder um and then moving forward you know there's other people that came into my life that um just were encouraging um saw that i don't know if they you know believed it or not or it doesn't matter but they thought that i had potential to do you know whatever i set out to do and seeing that in other people um i started to believe it or seeing you know seeing that from other people about me i started to slightly take that in and then um you know my my kids love me or my family um these little things they started to i started to borrow you know if these people love me there has to be some reason that starts to build up i think you have to i mean it might start in these little slivers 
but once you start to build on that, it, I think it builds quicker. And that's, that's where I developed, you know, initially developed my self-worth and then through action, through setting a goal, accomplishing it. Um, <clears throat> those things are what built my own self-worth up. Yeah. When you don't have anything new to look forward to and you don't see your, your future as being any different than what it is right now, it's, it's hard to have something to be excited about. You know, you just assume things are going to be the same, you know, it doesn't really give you hope or, or wanting to move forward. And, you know, like who is like, I don't like where I'm at, but I know it's always going to be kind of like that. Right. So you, when you don't have hope, that's, it's everything. I think, you know, I, I hear, sorry, go ahead. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I hear a lot of times how one person um, can make such a difference. You know, I hear it over and over on the, on, on, with guests that I speak to and how, you know, sometimes it's this one unexpected person. And for you, it was this hardcore dude, you know, at work. And honestly, that's all it takes. And we talk a lot about on the show about why can't, you know, each one of us be that person for somebody else, you know, like be observant. You don't know you know, how one small thing can change someone's life, you know, whether it's, you know, one time I was, um, there was a gentleman and I didn't realize he was, he was going to take his life and um, didn't know this person was walking on the street. And I just kind of, I don't know, something about him just attracted me to him. And I just stopped and talked to him for a minute. You know, we started talking 10, 15 minutes later about nothing, you know, I don't even remember his name. And, um, yeah, we stopped talking and he kind of went in the other direction that he was walking when we first started talking. So I was like, okay. And then to this day, I wonder, you know, what happened to this guy? So a couple of years later, you know, very noticeable person um, ran into him and he remembered me and he said, hey, uh, that day that you stopped me, you know, I wasn't in a good place and I, I don't know who you are. You don't know who I am. And thank you for stopping because I honestly, you know, um, was thinking of taking my life and I kind of, you distracted me and that's all it takes sometimes, you know, it just takes, instead of walking around homeless people or walking around people with addiction, just walk toward them, have a conversation. Um, they're not any scarier than uh, most of the time they're meeker, you know, because they're like, yeah. they don't want to talk or <clears throat> they're shy or, you know, whatever it is. And they're like, okay, you know, or paranoid. Why are these people talking to me or whatever it is. Right. But, you know, if you're listening to this podcast right now and, you know, maybe you're not the one dealing with addiction, but maybe, you know, somebody who is, you know, be that guy, be the guy who cried and, and helped Sterling out, you know, like, honestly, it can come from anywhere. All you need is a flicker of, of hope to make things move forward. Right. Yeah. And like, I think you with your your example that human connection um i think a lot of people in addiction lack that especially in the midst of it that's it's, it's lonely it's yeah. lonely it can be very lonely whether you're in addiction or just depressed like me and can't get out of bed or you could have so many people walking around you it's like a blur of people a blur of strangers a blur of nothing you know and it just takes one connection, like a real genuine connection to really make you feel, hey, my life, you know, if those people can see something in me, you know, there must be something. Maybe I don't believe it today. Maybe in a month from now, somebody else will say something and, you know, but thank goodness, right, for those people. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so at the end of this kind of 
piggybacks off of that. It's a little bit of a change in direction, but um, so the first of last year, the first of this year, so, you know, January 2021, um, I had done a lot since then. And I had, I mean, I pushed my body to its like physical limits and uh, I tried to get blood drawn and they thought that they used a few different needles and they're like, oh, our needles are broke. And they're like, oh no, it's your blood. It's too thick to draw. Uh, I just dehydrated myself working um, an extreme amount. But yeah, January, 2021, um, I kind of took a break. You know, I mean, it was the end of the year, Christmas was over, made it through the holidays, you know, and um, like kind of let myself breathe and let myself feel. And looking back, I realized I was just kind of running from the situation that I had come from. I didn't, you know, I was scared to slow down. If I did, like, it's going to collapse. I'm going to lose everything. Um, Because that's what had always happened. Um, And I mean, I broke down like emotionally, you know, trying to Mm -hmm. accept it and understand it. Um, But it was, it was just, you know, running scared from all those old feelings, from all the, the emotions and things like that of the isolation, the losing everything, the the helplessness or the, you know, all these like negative feelings. Mm. Like I, I accomplished more in a year than I thought I was going to die with going back to that, you know, looking out um, hope and things like that. And I was just scared to death to lose it. It didn't feel real. I didn't let it feel real. Um, it felt temporary. You're like, when is yeah. this all going to end? You still hadn't believed it really. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, yeah, that, that it made me feel, or yeah, they brought that those emotions up, or the thought of that up. Just wanted to bring that up. Thank you. It, it's hard. It's hard to be real with yourself, and um, we can't. You know, I don't know. Sometimes we, you know, we can't be there for anybody or do any of the things. Like we have this capacity to love other people, and but when we don't love ourselves, we can't show that. Like, do you feel like you're more open now and you can enjoy the kids more and open and people around your life and because you're more present? Yeah, that's, um, that's kind of my like warning, my early warning system or whatever. Um, if I feel like I can't connect with the kids or, I, you know, I don't know how to connect with them when we're playing, if, I, if that stuff starts to get out of whack, I know something's off. Um, and there's, you know, you know, being sober, there's still, um, you know, emotional, mental things that I have to stay on top of um, to be able to do everything that I want to do and, and be a good dad and partner and stuff. And um, yeah, that's that's a emotionally sensitive area for me. And I'm not, I don't mean to say like I get emotional all the time. I'm actually not an extremely emotional person, at least generally. But with my kids, that's a touchy area, you know, and most people I'm sure it is. And so yeah. I've noticed that a few times where I can't connect with my kids, like oh, I need to do something differently, check in, where am I at, mm. what's going on, and get that stuff straightened out. And sometimes it could just, you know, try and you don't always have to read too much into it either. Like it's good that you have that as a trigger, but don't be too hard on yourself. Cause I mean, I, you know, yes, I've dabbled in drugs. I've, I haven't had a drug problem, but I have a hard time connecting with my kids sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like part of it is just being parenting and they're off or you're off, you know, Um, it's good that you, you know, try to align it with that, but don't be too hard on yourself. It's not always, 
you know, sometimes it's just life, you know, and sometimes it's just because sometimes we can be really hard on ourselves more than we're hard on anybody else, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you feel about yourself now? You've come a long way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm extremely excited about the future. Um, awesome. I do, I've, I'm constantly working on habits or um, skills, learning skills. Um, that's that's kind of my big thing is relationships um, and skills mm. and obviously education and things like that. But um, I feel like I feel like it's a matter of time, not a I wish or yeah. I hope. Yeah, it's um, it's literally just do the same things for uh, you know enough times over and over, and we'll get to. I have a big five year vision printed out on the wall. That's great. Um, it's I mean it's it's a year old now, and it's changing slowly. And life just, changes, so it has to you know. Yeah. And it's good that you're letting it change because when you know a lot of people they they make these goals and they get so down on themselves when things don't work out. And a lot of the times it's not because they didn't put in the work. It's just things happen, things that you don't expect to happen. So, and if you can't move with that and you can't, um, you know, give and take, it can be really a downer. It can set you back for sure. So how do you set up your small versus long? Like, do you have a system or like, what do you recommend people do if they've never done it before? So for goal setting, um, the people who taught me how to do it, it's one life fully lived they're a nonprofit that that's that's what they were designed to help kids get out of poverty um I technically that. i wasn't a kid when i found them but they were you know very nice people so hmm. um so i do at first it was a vision and like literally where do you see yourself when you're 90 um what's it look like who's around you where is it um things like that that was the first thing that you know made me realize i do want to have grandkids and great grandkids and I want to you know do whatever positive I can at least you know relationship emotionally things like that um <clears throat> and then you know it's it's seeing what you want far out and at least knowing what that feels like mm. and then when you start setting these longer term uh goals it, I, I actually don't think I have really any goals past the five year um, I think that's good. <laughs> I think five yeah, years is good. It's pretty far out. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, but yeah, there's short, there's sprint and marathon goals, mm -hmm. uh, sprint and marathon plans. So you got your five year, you got a one year, six month, three months. But the thing with goals, um, at least for me, it's a direction to move forward. Mm -hmm. So like the very first one was the overdose. Like, oh, I don't want to die, and I know at my core, I definitely don't want to die. And that it was not a realization prior to that. So that gave me that first direction to move in. If I'm not going to, you know, if I know I don't want to die, I should probably at least do something. Mm. Whatever doesn't look like that, I want to do that. That's usually good. You know, Even if I don't know what that is yet. Happy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want nothing to do with that right now. So, um, yeah, it's, it's having that direction. I think when you have, when you set goals, um, you can be a little far out with them. It's better to aim really high and end up you know, kind of high than to aim whatever kind of low and, and hit low. So do you agree uh, Sterling that, um, the smaller steps uh, between the goals is better, more attainable? Um, yeah, I think, especially in the beginning, like momentum, just building momentum. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the book is, um, uh, like make your bed 
It was the Admiral something. It was a, it was a college graduation speech. Um, but just getting up and making your bed, it's like starting that whole, that whole, um, the ball rolling in the right direction. Yeah. You're, you're starting to achieve things. And see, I think the little steps are huge, especially when you get started. Um, little steps are huge by Sterling. I love that. (laughs) I'm going to quote you on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and even if it's not necessarily progress, it's taking bites at negative things. Um, there's a, there's also a kid's book. There's no dragon. There's no dragon. And, um, you know, everybody keeps telling this kid, he finds a little baby dragon in his room. It's like, oh, there's no dragon. Then it gets bigger. They're still mm-hmm. like, nope, it just keeps getting bigger. Um, that momentum works the same way with taking care of, you know, negative stuff. You just got to handle, um, just getting that ball rolling and momentum builds momentum. So yeah, we had a little monster squirt ball squirt thing. Oh, there's the monster. Okay, we'll squirt him out of the room, you know? So he's gone, right? Instead of just making it bigger and bigger. But, you know, um, one of my very, very first guests, his name is Sean Coe. And uh, I I always say this in in my episodes because he, he said something so simple, but it's always stuck with me, you know? You can't take a step forward and a step back at the same time. I like that. So I thought, wow, he's right, you know? And then one of, one of my mentors, uh, Brian LaFermento, he's a entrepreneur to entrepreneur podcast. And he didn't say, it, this isn't from him, but he quoted someone. I wish I could remember who it was, but you know, at the end of your life, you get past a note um, once, you're di- once you die and you get past a note and the note says, this is what your life should have been. What happened? And I'm like, Wow. You know, this is what your life should like. This was what was meant for you, you know, but what happened? Like getting it, you know, somewhere in there, you know, and it just makes you think if you can work backwards, like you were saying, where do you want to be at 90? You know, like, I don't want to have regrets. You know, that's my huge thing. I've seen the end of what the end of life looks like from the outside. And I don't want to have regrets that's the one thing I'm most afraid of, I think. So now I try to live my life like that. Um, doesn't always go the way that I want, but you know, I think you're right. I think that, as you said, the little steps are huge. Mm-hmm. You heard it here, uh, folks, Sterling, <laughs> Sterling's quote, but yeah. Cause then you, you know, if you, if you, the bigger, the step, the longer it takes you to get there. And you're kind of like, oh, I'm, this isn't going to happen you know, and you just stop, right? It's just like losing weight or whatever people are doing these days. (laughs) Like, it just... I think um, another thing, like rewarding yourself along the way, like don't, you know, forget to celebrate the accomplishments. Even It doesn't have to be the biggest, you know, the whole goal that you set. But, you know, for us, we we pretty much just take like trips, little trips or vacations or go kayaking or like that's kind of our little rewards for things. That's awesome. Um, yeah, when we finished our first rental property, we were still technically renters as well. But the first I finished our first rental property, we went to Colorado. Um, we got super cheap tickets, and because of the pandemic, the uh, rental cars were like free <laughs> in, in hotels and stuff. We we're the only ones there. Felt really exclusive. Yeah, it wasn't as like end of the world as it felt like VIP. I kind of anticipated <laughs> the end of the world feeling, but. 
Um, yeah, I love travel. Sometimes it just takes a change of schedule to set everything back down, you know, just yeah. exhale, right? Yeah, we try to go you know, somewhere with nature, just surrounded in nature. And that's kind of like how we recharge. Or, but it's 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 allowing yourself to feel that stuff. And um, that, yeah, that was cool. We went for like four days in Colorado. Okay. I, still, I can't pretend like I let myself feel all of it. <laughs> Um, we're getting boom, getting better at that. So that's awesome. Yeah, so I know that you now you help out or you've created a recovery group. Or can you tell me a little bit about that? Or you work with? Yeah. So. Verify? Um. So with like entrepreneurship, um, and like real estate is a really common one where you'll hear masterminds. Um, there's a lot of whatever different genres that kind of go towards that is the whole napoleon hill principle um where people get together and um use each other's experience and wisdom and everything to add together like two minds are um uh, I, I, i'll butcher the quotes and i'm gonna try um, so you know two or three minds together is is more powerful than two or three minds basically um absolutely that was that was a good experience for me when I first started getting educated and um, started setting goals and having accountability partners. Um, and that all worked for real estate, for um, investing or setting goals, things like that, people to hold you accountable. And it kind of falls back to that. You are the, you know, some of the people you hang out with. Mm -hmm. And that really brought me up in the beginning, or at least it felt like it added to my momentum or my traction I was getting. Um, so with that, you know, same nonprofit, I wanted to find a way for me to give back. So for me, you know, I, I, from my experience and what I see going forward and what I've learned, I feel like real estate's where I make money. Um, and so far so good. Um, so my way to give back to a community where I came from, which would be, um, you know, I grew up really poor, um, and then, you know, addiction recovery, um or just addiction um this ties into the why you had mentioned earlier as well um this is my avenue to help people not struggle as much um i don't want to drop the f-bomb but it's like screw struggle like it struggle sucks um did it for decades it's, it's horrible um there's some resiliency to come from it there's some positives you can take from it but a never-ending struggle nobody wants that um so agreed. <laughs> yeah agreed yeah like we talked about what do they leave out of these programs it is goal setting uh vision planning financial literacy like there's so many people that hmm. it took me it took me you know less than two years to get a credit score and to get a credit score over 750 um mm -hmm. and that was minimal education youtube videos and, and podcasts um mm -hmm. and then just setting out to do it and doing it um but budgeting um how to make extra money so a lot of people in uh, that have experienced addiction can hustle for money like have a sense of urgency to uh the art of money getting um it's a it's an old entrepreneurship like, skills yeah yes. it's an old pt barnum book uh the art of money getting it's hilarious it's probably not hilarious but the way it's written now it's hilarious so um <laughs> But yeah, so if you can use those skills without hurting anybody um, to 
increase your income. Um, and once you've increased your income and now you know how to save money and you, you know, you donate money and you, you just, the more you make, the more you can help. Yeah. It's, it's really comes down to like putting your own, uh, mask on like when you know tell you on an airplane secure yours first and then put it on your children if you don't you're gonna pass out and you're both screwed um and i really think that working on ourselves um putting ourselves financially in a position to not be a victim of circumstance all the time um you know for my entire life a flat tire would financially devastate us you know or needing new tires just wasn't an option um when you can, mean you're looking for the quick uh, get rich scheme, you know? No, I mean, it's some, it's some things like right now with the job market, employees are advantaged right now in the way that employers need to retain their good employees. Mm. If you're a good employee, you need to raise, let them know that, the you know, like it's an example from here, the dog biscuit factory down the roads starting at 17 bucks an hour, you know? I've been showing up for so long on time, mm. you know, working and stuff. So, you know, taking advantage of things like that that a lot of people don't, you know, think about or just trying to make those positive changes. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> I'll yeah. have to, maybe one day you'll come back on, you can talk to us about the real estate business because I would be interested in learning a little bit about that if you, if you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, for me, that was just where, you know, I had yeah. to work side jobs, handyman jobs. Um, and I, technically I was like a professional handyman for a while. Uh, couple years. That. yeah but that was where my skill set fit an avenue that that worked and so it's you know what do you have that mm. you can take advantage of and that was for me it was that instead of getting a paycheck I turned it into equity um, I love that you know you struggled for a long time and are maybe still struggling with um, you know day by day right because mm. um, they say once you're an addict you know it's still and, and you're in recovery, it's still, it's still, you know, a day at a time. That's what I've been told. I don't know if that's true or not, but look at all the stuff you're doing. Like you should be damn proud of yourself because you could be choosing, you know, even though you're doing well when it comes to the drug addiction and, and, and you're, and you're clean, which is huge in itself, it could have stopped there, but it didn't. You're now turning your adversities and turning the things and the struggles and the, the difficult things that you went through and you're trying to help other people. And I love when people do that. It's honestly so genuine and I can tell that your heart's really in it. So I appreciate that. And I'm sure you're helping so many people and they appreciate it because we, we need more people um, to see that, you know, beautiful things can come from pain, you know, and uh, this is a great example of that. And you know, it's like, I always say, you want, you want someone in your corner who knows how you feel, you know, these guys aren't going to turn, or these women aren't going to turn to somebody who's never, never been there, you know? So the fact that you have this experience and you can now help other people, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's kind of an, <clears throat> I feel like it's an obligation to some extent because it is hard to relate to somebody that's been incarcerated or been completely strung out and homeless or, on the run or, you know, just whatever crazy stuff that that life leads to. Um, and so, like you said, it's, it, a lot of people can't relate to them and I can relate to a lot of people with um, those mm -hmm. situations. Yeah, we it's all, easier to open up too. 
Yeah. And you know, you don't feel, you don't feel ashamed or you don't feel crappy about it, or you don't feel like, you know, why am I going to pour my heart out and explain all this stuff when they don't get it? You know, it's just a waste of time sometimes, honestly. Um, I don't know. I just feel like life, I always say this, but one of the things I want to do is end loneliness for people, because I think if you're dealing with things by yourself, there's no hope. There's no way you can, it's, it's like that gentleman who, who, you know, he was one of your points where he's like, Hey buddy, I care about you. Right. But I don't know if we can just, you know, get a bunch of lonely people and stick them in a room together and then they're not lonely anymore. You know, we can all just talk about the same thing and you don't have to be best friends and you don't have to be, but you have this connection sometimes that's stronger with strangers than you have with people in your circle. You know what I mean? And it can be a beautiful thing, like, honestly. Yeah, we've had really, so we're only on, I mean, just honestly, we're on the second official, um, we actually changed the name, Rediscover Mastermind or something. Um, or I, I created, I shouldn't say or something. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, I mean, it's people that, we was a guy from Canada up there, uh, in there, um, Oregon, uh, in the states better than this uh wisconsin you know mm-hmm. like they're all over the country and i mean shoot there's like six people in it but in each one but it's there is something to that like i don't you know this person's not going to tell my boss and my you know neighbor and whatever and you can you can kind of open up more to people like that i feel and we've had good good luck with people being vulnerable um yeah, the boundaries come down, like the fear yeah. comes down because it's like you're not afraid you're going to walk into this. Per- you know, it's like what you I don't know. I remember some of my darkest times. It was a podcast, you know, something going through my headphones that nobody else could hear except me. And I got the message really clear that day and it changed everything. You know, there are moments in our life that are unexpected, but are yeah, I don't know. I just see all these. Like I'm picturing your mastermind class, you know, and it's just like people just feeling safe. And it's so important because you can't feel like that with just everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I have no, no interest in having the worst drug stories or whatever. (laughs) But I try to be transparent and I think that helps them like, oh, okay, maybe I thought I was pretty bad. Like this dude's a train wreck or was a train wreck. As far as me. (laughs) Yeah. Because you know what? people with addictions aren't any less important or any less valuable than people who don't have addictions. Some, everybody has something, you know, sometimes you can see it and sometimes you can't. And we all just need to learn how to be there for each other. And if you don't know what to say to somebody, cause you just don't know, like in a given situation, ask them, you know, what do you need for me? You know, like if you don't know, don't guess. Sometimes people want to help other people, and they do nothing because they don't, they're afraid of doing the wrong thing, but then nothing happens, nothing changes. And the person who could have used their help is like alone again. <laughs> you know what I mean? So don't let, you know, ignorance or a lack of knowledge or, you know, stop you from asking the questions, you know, cause everybody can help. You can always find a way to help. Right. Yeah, I've struggled. Like, you know, sometimes people reach out to me for different situations and um, <clears throat> at least be an example of, mm-hmm. and not necessarily even the full, like how to, you know, this is how you need to live example or whatever, but just of being compassionate, of being patient, 
things like that. I'm not trying to, you know, say enable yeah. anybody or whatever, but um, being that for other people. Um, don't judge. You don't know. Yeah, that's it. You don't know. Nobody, you know, I think it's great. I think you're doing fabulous work. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about um, the I live, I sorry, one life fully lived.org? Yeah, so that um, I think they just celebrated their 10 year anniversary from when they were founded. Uh, the guy named Tim Road, he's from California. He wanted to give back, and this was his way to give back. And like I said, it was initially to help kids escape poverty. <clears throat> and there's still a lot of you know, financial education, um, vision planning, goal setting, relationships, and then uh, like uh, wellness, physical, That's spiritual, awesome. mental. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's their core four and it's really, it covers a lot, um, most things that at least I check in on. Um, I'll check it yeah. out. Yeah, they're a great, they're a great. Sounds phenomenal. Yeah, if anybody wants to check it out or, you know, be a part of the change that's happening around here, you know. Is there anything yeah. that you wanted to talk about we didn't get to today? I mean, I think we could talk forever, but like, I <laughs> just um yeah i think we covered everything that you know at least i like to bring up or you know try to address i really appreciate being on here i appreciate what you're doing too this is great you know there is a platform to talk about this yeah no thank you you know it's not always easy but it's so needed you know right now i know there are people listening that can take so many different things away from from this um you know, we talked about so many things. We talked about how you can take better care of yourself, about setting goals. We talked about it's okay to talk about your story and, you know, how there are things missing in some of these programs. I think this is a huge topic because they really don't set you up for success. You know, like you said, they only deal with the drug part. And that's a whole other, you know, there's so many big topics like we could take, you know, from this episode. And I think it's great. But also just if you're the one that knows somebody in a similar situation that Sterling was in, be that one person to notice and to ask the questions, because sometimes it just takes one person and um, you'll feel good about it. You'll feel good about helping somebody else, you know, and it might even help how you feel about yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, everybody wins. Everybody wins in that situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Asking more than just the, you know, how are you? Good, good. You know, just going a little bit deeper can make a big impact, like you found out. So. Yeah. You know, the worst thing for me is when you say, um, somebody asks you how you're doing, and then you say terrible. And they're like, oh, that's good, good. You know, and they keep walking <laughs> away because yeah. they don't listen to you, you know? And sometimes I'm just like, I don't know how to answer that. Like, do you want the real answer? Because the real answer is not a good, bad, one word answer. You know, do you really want to know how I'm doing? And if that's the case, like, let's, let's meet, you know, let's have dinner because it's true. Like sometimes it can just be, you know, I'm okay. I'm not okay or whatever. And sometimes it could just be, you know what, I'm not doing so well, but I can't, you know, I know you don't have the time right now, but I appreciate you even just listening to the answer because some people don't listen to the answer. Like, I think that happened one time. I had a boss who was walking in the hall and they're like, hey, hey, how you doing? You know, to one of their clients. And they were like, terrible. My mother died. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, come on down. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you didn't even hear what they said. It's like, there's nothing worse than feeling indifferent. Yeah. 
to me, that's the worst feeling is feeling that because I have felt that from people that I, you know, that love me. Sometimes you just feel that they're being indifferent and it makes you feel worthless. So just listen to each other and don't judge people. And, you know, everybody has something. Honestly, anyways, we could go on forever. But <laughs> thank you so much. I, it was so great to, to get to know you a little bit more. And thank you for sharing the story. And I know it's going to help the listeners today. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.